Hey everyone, welcome back to Jake Kim's Topic. I'm your host, Jake Kim. And today's episode is an episode that's been inspired about uh, recent tattoo trends in the last couple of years, or a few years rather. And that trend is face tattoos. We are currently in the process of the normalization of face tattoos. And there are cultures out there that use face tattoos as a cultural marker. And one of those cultures being North African indigenous culture, specifically Berber culture. And why do I make the connection between face tattoo and Berber culture or Berber tattoo culture? Well, it's exactly on the topic of face tattoos because in this type of culture, in this North African indigenous culture, it's common or was common practice for the women to receive face tattoos for a number of reasons. And the only reason why I decided to, decided to do a Berber culture is because this is a culture that's still relatively unknown to me. This is something I want to explore in the future. Get an actual person who is Berber or who is indigenous or someone who might be an expert on, on this particular group of people. In the future, that's something I, I would definitely want to do. And before I go any further, I want to give a shout out to my friend Wasef. He's a uh, Wasef is one of those guys who told me about Berber face tattoos. He told me his grandmother has some and some of its meaning. And this was a while ago when he told me about it. But the only reason why I have some uh, the awareness of these face tattoos in Berber culture was definitely Wasef was a definite factor in that. So thank you for letting me know, Wasef. Shout out to you. For this episode, I'll be covering the tattoo tradition of the Berber the Berbers of North Africa. This episode will mainly speak about the Berber woman and the tradition of face tattoos. And a lot of this face tattoo is really done for women specifically, it seems. Everything that I found online has to do with the woman's relationship with the face tattoo. And to, I guess, to start off this episode, I wanted to read something I found online. It's called Meet the Tattooed Berber Woman of the Atlas Mountains by Josephine Platt. And this was on theculturetrip.com. In Berber culture, an indigenous northwestern African group, the act of tattooing has long also been a stamp of cultural identity and womanhood. The different etchings symbolizing a woman's marital status, fertility, and tribe. Typically, they decorate her face, hands, and feet. Though some women have been known to cover every inch of their bodies, but it's a dying act among the younger generations. These tattoos are now loaded with stigma and shunned as a sin against God, se'aram, as the wider Arabic culture calls it. Alright, so the phrase se'aram, it's uh, there's a loaded Francis, Francis, a sentence, it's a loaded sentence. Haram in Arabic means, means a lot of things. It can mean forbidden, pity, a sin. It could, be, it could also be a, a, an expression of sympathy and even empathy. It can mean many things. It depends on the context of the situation. But in this case, on the topic of tattoo, it says uh, it's viewed, tattoos are viewed as a sin against God. So haram in this case would mean forbidden. It's a sin. And also being North African, you know, they're speaking in French. But anyway, which brings which brings the conversation to to religion. So for the purpose of this episode, uh, before I go any further, I just given you sort of a brief introduction right now of the cultural tension of Berber tattoos, Berber face tattoos, and what that means in today's, I guess, greater Islamic social context. So for this episode, I'll be talking a lot about the religion and the influence of religion and this tattoo culture. And I'll also go into uh, the motifs, what they mean, what they represent. Also, 
color what does color mean in this case tattoos which we haven't covered uh recently we didn't really talk about colors and then i'll end the episode with my closing remarks Okay, so the next bit of information with the intersection of religion and tattoo, and specifically indigenous Berber uh, tattoos. So as I said in the earlier episodes, tattoos in a tribal context or in a very purely cultural context, they're not so much of artistry of adornment, but rather it's a means of communication and letting other people know what tribe do you belong to and, and so on and so forth, or your availability or your hierarchy or your rank and whatever, your place in society. They can also be understood in the capacity of an expression of self, a sign of religious belonging, or relieve symptoms of spiritual or physical ills. That's another aspect we kind of touch on is, I guess, the magical component of tattoos. I mean, with the sailor tattoos, getting a chicken and a pig tattooed to your feet sort of gave you the magic of not drowning. And having a shark tattooed onto your body prevents you from sharks eating you. And in this case, uh, with Berber people, it seemed to lean also towards, not spiritual, of course, but uh, physical ills and spiritual ills. In all cases, tattoos serve as a means of portraying one's identity. Whether it's your individual identity or your tribal identity, it's still communication. It's also common for Berber women to, instead of getting tattoos, to also use henna. Which, actually, now I think about it, henna tattoos are have been quite popular as a recent because... It's an alternative to getting a real tattoo. There's a lot of people who, before even considering getting a tattoo, they get a henna tattoo, which is like what stays on you for like a month or two. And they get the henna to, just to see what it's like and what it feels, to give them an idea. And I think that's a really cool way of previewing your tattoo, if you will. And I guess a henna, in the case of looking at tattoo as sin or forbidden in a religious context, henna is a good alternative, like a loophole to the rule, if you will. But these temporary adornments are often limited to hands and the feet, such as the art of facial tattooing is a vanishing art. Yeah, so henna tattoo is mostly done on hands and feet, not necessarily on chest or, I mean, if it is done on chest, I would not see it. And from my experience, it's mostly women who get henna tattoos. Again, this, this topic is very much about the woman's relationship with tattoo culture in the Berber context. Within Amazigh, Amazigh, which is, I don't know how to say that, A-M-A-Z-I-G-H, which is, I think that's what the Berber call themselves. So the Berber women were historically tattooed facially. In times of predating the arrival of Islam in North Africa, the practice was widespread. However, since the arrival of the Islamic faith, the belief that to alter a creation of God is haram, forbidden, has led to the almost complete decline of the practice. Christianity and Judaism have a very similar concept, or if not the same concept, that we are the image of God, thereby we are a personification of perfection in terms of, I guess, in terms of our station in life. We are not animals, we're humans. That makes us kind of, in the eyes of nature, we're kind of perfect, that we're able to separate ourselves from nature. So that makes us almost beyond perfect, I guess. And anyway, anyway I don't want to get too much into the theology of this. But that being said, if if you are the image of God or God has a direct hand in creating you, you are thereby a result by association or by creation of something that is perfect. So if our bodies are perfect, we don't need this extra stuff to put on. So we don't need tattoos that or scar scarification, as you see in some cultures where they scar themselves to make it look like they have scales. And here comes the point of tension between Berber culture, Berber indigenous culture, 
and the arrival of Islam. So, brief history. Before the Prophet Muhammad, North Africa was mostly a series of different religions. You'd find Christian communities throughout North Africa. You'd find Jewish communities throughout North Africa. You'd find local indigenous religions throughout North Africa. The Bedouin tribes had their own religion. The Berbers definitely had their own religion. As a matter of fact, a lot of Berbers are descendants of Carthage or the Carthaginian Empire, which is the empire that opposed Rome. If you go to different parts of Algeria or Morocco, in the mountains, in the Atlas Mountains, you would find communities of Berbers that have completely Greek names. Like Greek first name, Greek last name, and they might still be Muslim or something else. But that tells you how old and how long these people have been there, that they were Greek before the Arabs came with Islam. So you have an arrival of a religion that pretty much, I don't want to use the word dominate, but becomes the status quo, a religion that becomes the authority. And you have a culture that's been doing the same thing forever. So it's like, some people would call it colonization. I don't necessarily think so. And also, I'm not too aware of the subtleties of the history of the region. So I don't want to get too much into that. But in terms of dynamic, you could see why tattooing or facial tattoos of these part minority group at this point is slowly fading out. It makes sense. The younger generation of these of these indigenous tribes are moving to the city getting jobs they're learning and speaking arabic as opposed to learning their native languages or not learning but retaining their native languages and they have a strong sense of they want to integrate into the greater societies for economic opportunities and just sort of be accepted you know and that's that's understandable and that happens and we can go into the root as and say it's a lot of it is systemic racism that is historically rooted in old colonial laws and that's those are all facts, but that's not what I'm talking about today, is that this art, this tattoo facial art is disappearing and people are concerned that the knowledge of these tattoos and what they mean and they're not just what they mean, but what they represent and what they hold as a culture, as a cultural practice could disappear in our lifetime. So you have, so you have the emergence of these articles that are out there to try to preserve it and talk about it. And I hope that for myself to talk about it, to to even just introduce the topic, I hope I could be a part of that solution as well. It's just, you know, talk about these things and get to know more. So now let's move on to the role of the tattoo on the body and what does that mean. So the placement of Berber tattoos was often around openings in the body, eyes, nose, mouth, navel, and vagina, or upon surfaces of the body which may be perceived as vulnerable, the feet and hands. So in this way, if you want to call it magic, uh, I don't mean to use the word magic as a dismissive term, but as like a legitimate term, like if we, if we were to consider magic in this case, it's almost as if they are strengthening the weak parts. The weaknesses on the body, what they perceive as weaknesses, putting tattoos around it will protect and reinforce those areas. And a culture this old to understand that pretty much disease happens around openings, the cavities around the, around the body, like eyes, mouth, nose, whatever, to me, it says a lot about this culture and their understanding of how disease work, perhaps, that these are points of opening into the body that could that can contaminate the body with disease and so on. And so getting tattoos will help protect that. It gives it an extra layer, I suppose. But above all, these areas of the body were perceived to require protection from jun or jinn in Arabic, bad spirits, which may try to enter the body and possess the person specifically with women it's always it's always interesting it's always women that are prone to being possessed by demons are they're always seen as uh, porous women are seen as more porous and men are seen as more rigid 
in almost every patriarchal culture, you see that those kind of comparisons. Obviously, rigid because of penis and porous because of vagina. Like that, I think that's the main reason where these concepts come from. And interesting, they say June because every Arabic person, every Arab person from Morocco to Iraq, the topic of jinn always fascinates me when they talk about it because they kind of still take it seriously. As atheist as one of them might become, for whatever reason, the idea of jinn always makes them go, ooh. And to me, that tells me more that this, let's call it a concept, not to be disrespectful to jinn, don't hurt me, but jinn oh that's where the word genie comes from the word genie comes from the arabic word jinn which means spirits or bad spirits or i guess in the case of a berber is junun junun i think is how you say it i could be wrong pronunciation but yeah so the tattoos give you an extra layer of not just uh biological pro- what they perceive as biological protection but most importantly and the main i guess the main thing of these tattoos is for spiritual protection from against spirits or or jinn in this case so many tattoo designs were of a style and placement on the body so as to offer protection from the evil eye. Indeed, the name for Berber tattoo is Jedwel, Jedwel, meaning talisman. Does anyone remember that old TV show? If you grew up in North America, there was a Jackie Chan TV show, an animated one. It had all everything to do with these magic talisman and kind of like uh, Infinity Stone kind of powers sort of things, you know? That was a fun show. I was a kid when I came out. Anyway, the word talisman made me remind me of an old Jackie Chan animated show. So, like previous cultures, tattoos are, tattoos are seen as something, as a rite of passage into a life and added also for key stages of life. So, in Polynesian culture, as we said, you are introduced, it's a rite of passage to get tattooed. You're introduced into a life and then achievements are added on. Same thing is happening here. You're introduced into a life and you are tatted as as you go on in life. The first of the facial tattoos is called Siyala and is on the chin. Siyala often takes the form of a symbolic palm tree tattoo which consists of a single straight line from the bottom of the lip to the bottom of the chin. This line would sometimes be flanked by dots representing seeds. I always found those tattoos really cool, the chin tattoos. I will never get a face tattoo but I always found chin tattoos pretty cool. I, I don't know why, I always found them really cool. The second tattoo is called Remaza and is placed between the eyebrows. This tattoo, when later extended to the forehead, is known as El Ayah, which means the lucky charm. I could be saying all this wrong. So the first one you get, uh, the first tattoo is I get a rite of passage tattoo you get on your chin, near the mouth. All of that symbolically is about communication, around the mouth, communication, protecting your mouth from spirits so i guess don't talk shit uh, i don't know <laughs> the second tattoo gemaza romaza i guess it's like a lucky charm again according to his website she only mentions these two tattoos i guess these are two significant tattoos that are maybe the first two tattoos you get in your in your life if you're a berber woman or a berber young woman in this case actually how old do they get it i'm, I'm guessing when they're considered of legal age or of adult age it could be well, 13 15 18 okay so i just did a quick research and it just says according to ap images blog pretty cool it says that the women often get their first tattoos when they've hit puberty so 13 to 15 years old so so far we've seen about tattoos in the role with berber women in berber culture is that of communication but also protection from spirits 
So it's a mix of tribal identity with your personal identity and also your station in life. Because uh, as I read on, some tattoos can represent mark of motherhood or marriage, then motherhood, and, and so on. So the Siala, going back to the chin, I mean, as we said, it kind of looks like a, a palm tree with a straight line with like dots on the side to represent seeds. And there are more... There are more symbols out there. I mean, there are more symbols within Berber culture with different meanings. So let's take a look at a few of them. So if you have a tattoo of a tree, it that represents strength. Yeah, that makes sense. Tree, strength, yeah. Seeds representing fertility. That's self-explanatory. Frog and spider representing fertility and magical rights. Huh. Frog with If frog is associated with fertility, that would make sense because they... They, have a, they produce a lot of offsprings. So do spiders. But spiders with magic also make sense because they have eight, eight legs. They're weird. They make this indestructible thing called a web. That's super. Their, their web is super strong. And they eat anything. So yeah, yeah, okay. I can see spiders as magical, but that's mainly because of Halloween. And I don't like Halloween. <laughs> Next one is snakes. Snakes representing the phallus, fertility, and healing. Phallus, of course fertility and healing so this goes back to a berber connection with greek culture the snake as a as a tattoo as a representation of healing and medicine and if you look at greek mythology and religion the snake the snake is associated with uh, asclepius uh, asclepius is i think that's how you say his name asclepius let's just call him asclepius 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 anyway so asclepius who is the son of apollo the, the god apollo apollo is also one of the gods of healing or associated with healing asclepius uh, the god of medicine is often depicted with a staff with two snails coiled around it and the reason why the snails are the snails the snakes the reason why the snakes are coiled around the rod is because snakes represent sort of eternity they keep shedding their skin and recreating themselves. And, and so it's kind of like health where you can recreate health and just become a new and reheal and, you know, shed the old in with the new. But it's also, so you might think, well, how did the snake and the two staffs, the two snakes wrapping around one staff, how did that become an image? And why is that an image on ambulances and today's medicine, right? And today's most hospitals and ambulances and pharmacies, you see that symbol of the coil, of snakes coiling around a rod. And the story goes when the, when Mercury, the Roman god Mercury, or whatever Greek equivalent of it, when two snakes were fighting, Mercury threw a rod, and the two snakes stopped fighting and sort of coiled around it, and then that just sort of became the symbol of medicine. But that's the Roman story. So to recap, snakes represent the phallus, and by extension, fertility, and also healing, because the healing aspect definitely has to come from their Greek roots. If there is something that I missed or misunderstood about Berber culture and their cultural history, let me know, because maybe I could be wrong. But I'm pretty confident that they do have a Greek background because of the old empires of before that dominated the region. Especially the Roman culture. The Roman influence in that region was definitely the most profound. Anyway, so next symbol, you have fish bones. Fish bones representing water, prosperity, and fertility. A lot of, another fertility one. But it's funny that it's fish bones and not just fish. Or maybe there's also an understanding that fish bones are also really good for compost. I mean, the reason why the Canadian West, the forests in the Canadian West Coast are so rich is because a lot of salmon corpses end up in the forest because of predators or whatever, and their bodies make really good compost, or fertilizer for the forest. So maybe there's something like that. I don't know. The lizard. The lizard represents rebirth and light. 
Why rebirth? Oh, because the lizard always loses its tail when it's being, you know, when it's under stress to run away. And it can also, it can always regrow its tail. That's why it's rebirth. It has to be. Makes sense. And then you can also get flies and bees represent stamina and energy. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. Flies and bees, stamina and energy. That's self-explanatory. Diamond shapes representing protection of personal space. Huh, cool. Okay. Why is it diamond? I know this is something that I'm going to have to dig a lot to find an answer why diamond is re represents protection of personal space. Why diamonds and why not circle? But, you know, I guess diamond as a shape in itself looks strong. Uh, yeah, I guess. And then the last one is Kamsa, which is uh, representing protection form, uh, protection from the evil eye. Oh, uh, Hamsa, not Hamsa. Hamsa is that uh, evil eye thing with the blue hand and then the evil eye in the middle that you see almost every Lebanese person I know has that somewhere. Tattoos, like other forms of adornment, are a language in themselves, an unspoken language immersed in deep beliefs that need to, need to be protected against invisible perceived threats. Okay, so again, this all goes down with symbolism and its connection to the metaphysical and to the spiritual and how it influences not just the spiritual world, but it also influences the, the immediate world. Influence meaning people's behavior, whether it's in accordance to other people's behavior or to the behaviors of the spirits. Tattoos are there just to, I guess, to mend that gap. And then to the final part, I, I think this is, I want to talk about this because they're talking about color. This is all though. This is all quite brief, and again, I, I left it brief on purpose because there's a lot of info to take in, and it's better to go into deeper information with someone who knows it and understands it better. So first color is blue. Blue represents the Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, that's it. Uh, I thought that'd be more profound. Okay, well, I mean, it makes sense. The Mediterranean is at the doorstep. The Atlantic's on the other side. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Green represents nature and the Green Mountains. Yellow represents the sands of the Sahara Desert. The Ya symbolizes the free man, which is the meaning of the Berber word Amazi, the Berber's own name for themselves. Oh, so the, oh, they call themselves free man. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. The, the wildlings call themselves uh, free people, the free folk. Oh, okay, I guess so, yeah. So it seems like the colors is more of a landscape representation or a representation of geography where their culture find them, finds themselves and that green belt in between the Sahara and then the Mediterranean and then the Atlantic on the other side. I like, okay, that's cool. It's, it's almost as if those colors represent their borders, but specifically it really represents their immediate world. The, these colors definitely carry on a deeper spiritual significance, but the fact that these are what's, what I find immediately online, blue, green, and yellow are important colors to them. That's gonna be for sure. So I guess to conclude, I really wanted to do on Berber culture and Berber tattoos because of the relationship with face tattoos. In today's time, especially with Takashi 69 popularizing face tattoos, I've seen so many people online getting face tattoos and it and I'm I don't understand why. <laughs> I have tattoos, but I would never get face tattoos. That's a huge statement. The first time I ever seen a face tattoo, I was in high school and it was a Friday evening and I was at the Eaton Center downtown. Me and my friends were just hanging out, and that's what we used to do back then. I don't know if they still do it. It's, you know, Today's generation probably still does the same, but every Friday, almost every high school around Montreal would get to Eaton Center and just hang out. And I remember this one time. It was busy Friday evening, and it was close to Christmas, so it was just crazy busy in the mall. And out of the metro exit, like there's doors that take you directly to the metro, 
and usually when you open those doors there's a lot of there's a gush of wind that comes out so you can always feel when that door opens but it's a busy day so there's always this wind blowing from the from the doors and this one guy walks in walks into the mall and i could just see the crowd separate around this guy Usually people are like sort of bump, brushing each other, bumping into each other's shoulders. But this guy, there was a circle around him as if he was like a shark swimming through a school of fish. And I'm just watching this guy and he comes right in front of me. This guy doesn't acknowledge that I'm staring at him because on his face, he had MS-13 on his face twice. MS on one cheek, 13 on the other cheek, and MS-13 on his forehead, if I remember correctly. This guy was super gangster super cholo gangster and when he walked through that mall everyone from the sketchiest high school students that were selling drugs in the corner to the most normal white collar guy walking in the mall everyone just stayed the fuck away from him because that's what you're supposed to do when a guy has his gang tattooed on his face Uh, that was like more than 10 years ago and today you have people online at least getting tattoos but some of these people have no business getting face tattoos i really i'm still the per kind of person where i grew up that if you get a face tattoo you don't you never want to seek employment again that's that's why you get it and but above all is because you're about you're about it you're about a kind of life that that requires such a face tattoo and in the case with this guy he's you know a member of a notorious gang that started in El Salvador and made its way all the way here in Canada, you know, him getting a face tattoo makes sense. I, I think Amanda Bynes got some, like, face tattoos with, like, hearts on him, and I'm like, why did you why did you do that? But anyway. But all this to say is that face tattoos is not only a gangster thing. It's uh, There's a lot of cultures to do it. Polynesian culture has face tattoos. Berber culture has face tattoos as a part of their cultural practices. And face tattoos have a, as I said earlier, it's a striking communicator. It tells you a lot what you should know or must know about this person. Going back to that to that gangster with the face tattoos, seeing the energy around him immediately and seeing his face immediately just tells you, tells you everything you must know. I guess to close off, put yourself in the shoes of one of the first... One of the first generation of Muslims marching through North Africa. And then you come across a tribe of women with tattoos all over their body. And you are a devout first generation Arab Muslim. You follow the Prophet Muhammad. You've seen him. You've heard him. And now he's passed on. And then you move forward with his with the new hierarchy of the time. And you move forward through North Africa. And you come across people like this. How would you react? I don't know how I would react. I mean, fascination, astonishment, shock, horror, I don't know. But one thing's for sure, those Arab or first generation Muslims who also fought alongside the Prophet, who've seen war, I have a feeling the first time seeing a Berber woman must have shocked them. Must have been like, oh, whoa. The same way I reacted to that MS-13 guy. It's just like, oh, whoa. For me, seeing that MS-13 guy was out of fear because knowing what that person's about. And I guess for the first Muslims to see the Berbers, perhaps it was fear because maybe there was an understanding innate to them that that, those face tattoos are communicating to a greater spirituality or to an alternative spirituality that first generation Muslims have have not thought of or have not come across rather. But anyway, today was the final episode on the season of tattoos and tattoo cultures. We looked at Japanese tattoos. Polynesian tattoos, US Navy tattoos, and now we looked at Berber, North African tattoos. And there's a lot more tattoo cultures out there that are worth exploring, like gang cultures 
or other religious cultures, yeah. other religious cultures that have tattoo as an aspect of the art or the role of tattoos among indigenous people in today's colonized societies like Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, and the relationship of indigenous tattoos in those spaces. Those are other topics that I would love to cover and want to cover. But as I said earlier, these are just ideas I want to bring out and put it out there so that I will re-answer so these ideas and do it again with someone who is of the culture and have a more profound conversation. So treat all of this season as like an introductory class, I guess. <laughs> but if you know someone who you think might have an interesting story or have interesting opinions about tattoos, you could find me and DM me at my Instagram, Jason underscore Jisoo, Jisoo spelled as G-I-S-O-O. If you have a cool conversation about tattoos, hit me up. I'm down to talk about them. And we could perhaps even make an episode out of it. That being said, thank you again for listening to me. And thank you for being an audience for this season. This tattoo season, I actually enjoyed researching it. It was a lot of fun. A lot of interesting stuff came up. And there is definitely way more to talk about in the future. So again, thank you for listening. Please share and subscribe to this podcast to your friends and families and on all of your social medias. And again, thank you for being an audience. My name is Jason Kim from Montreal. Thank you.